This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Disability Employment Awareness Month continues. There's been plenty of conversation on the show, and there's going to be plenty more. As you know, the rate of employment for people with disabilities is low in Canada, and it's low across the world. There are improvements, though. Every now and then, you have to think about optimism, and there's lots of advocacy work being done to create even more equal opportunities. Seema Flower is the founder of Blind Ambition in the UK and has been working abroad to evolve the movement of disability inclusion in the workforce. Hey, good morning, Seema. Great to chat with you today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on your show. How are you? So, Seema... I'm, I'm great. Great to have you here. The topic is so important. Just before you dive all the way in here, what's at the core of Blind Ambition's mission? Uh, the core of Blind Ambition's uh, um, ambition is actually to uh, promote inclusivity in society, in all places of society, but also concentrating on the workplace as well. So what kind of conversations are you having with folks? What's your approach in terms of dealing with organizations and educating them about people with disabilities? It's about actually getting into organizations and talking about the recruitment and selection of people with disabilities. That's the first stage, opening up that talent gap, you know, filling that talent gap, basically, which is missing. And then once you've actually got people, you know, selected and recruited is about maintaining those people within your organization and promoting and fostering an inclusive environment where those people can excel. What's the trickle down been like? Once you've made that impact, you've had that connection, companies are opening their doors, they're being more open-minded. What's the trickle down that you're observing? I think the, the trickle down is, is good. I mean, um, you know, in, um, promoting people with disabilities is, is increasing, not at the rate that I'd like to see, but it is improving slowly but surely. You know, we have a huge disability employment gap in the UK. Like you said, this is a worldwide problem. Um, I do a lot of work globally in terms of delivering webinars and um, and training, and we find this, you know, at all all places around the world so we need to try and address this as much as we can so that people with disabilities who are extremely talented and have got a lot to offer very determined very resilient um are able to be able to have places in employment i work under the assumption because i observe it and obviously as a disability focused network we cover the issue of disability employment and inclusive hiring in more accessible workplaces fairly extensively my observation from like the top, top, top level looking down 10,000 feet way above, it's getting a little bit better, but progress is slow. What's your observation about perhaps the change that's occurred in the last 10 years or so? Um, I think the, the difficulty is the intention is there for people, um, you know, employers, 
as senior management, the intention is is there, but they're not moving at the faster pace as we could as we could do. So yes, while there has been some progress within the last ten years, it's not as rapid as we would hope it it would be. And I think this is down to the fact that you know um, it's to do with a couple of things really. It's to do with budgets. For example, disability is always one of the last areas to get addressed. So in terms of training, uh, in terms of making improvements, making reasonable adjustments, you know. Um, employer employers are thinking it's going to be very really costly. They've got their own preconceptions about you know what it's like to have, what it's like to create a an inclusive environment. And and in real terms, really, if they just make some basic reasonable adjustments, that would open it up to most people with disabilities and make life a lot easier for them. What's your observation in regards to even the companies that are understanding the importance and making some of those changes? What's your observation in regards to actually creating a ladder to success or, or a pathway to success to move to middle management, upper management, executive? What's In Canada, it's really bad. Like, like the situation for getting the foot in the door is getting better, but the situation for climbing the ladder is absolutely terrible. And by the way, I'm even just like, there's ableism in the expression <laughs> of climbing the ladder. But, but what's your observation out there in the UK and some of the international work you're doing in regards to pathways to do career development, not just getting a job? Yeah, I think you made a good point there. Absolutely. We are getting the pathways opened up. The doors are opening. People are letting, being let in. And yes, they're getting some recruitment. But you're absolutely right in terms of career progression uh, and promotions. People with disabilities are still getting overlooked. They're not getting the same opportunities as their able-bodied counterparts. So we're still battling that. And as a careers advisor, you know, when we, when I'm talking to people in terms of advocating and looking at their next role, this is something that we come up against as well. And I think the other thing I'd like to say is that, you know, whilst we might have people um, from HR or training or learning resources implementing and inviting people like myself from Blind Ambition to, you know, deliver training to inclusivity, it's people that the top, top level um, and then senior and middle management, they're not always at these training events. So yes, they're sort of making the right noises, but they actually need to, um, you know, walk the walk, not just do the talking. Yeah, there, there's a campaign going on in Canada right now called A Seat at the Table, which is all about getting people with disabilities on boards, at, at the board level, sitting there helping with those decisions. Because I think that's what, what, what you're really getting at there, what you're referring to, is you sort of get these ideologies of equity, but they only expect the rank and file employees to be mindful or abide by those equity principles. And that lens just sort of disappears as you climb up the ladder. Exactly. And I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, people who are marginalised in society do deserve a seat at the table. And that's very much the approach that blind ambition come, comes from. And actually, um, we've just actually gone undergone our logo and, um, you know, sort of revised it. And it's it's about having that seat at the table. You know, it's about having that seat at the table and being able to have that voice. The Conference Board of Canada, alongside the Rick Hansen Foundation, and a lot of the work they do about creating more accessible workforces and more accessible businesses in general, talks about the spending power of Canadians with disabilities. What's the situation like in the UK and, and, and abroad when it comes to the spending power of a consumer base of people with disabilities? 
I, I can't exactly remember the exact amount, but it's it's a huge amount that we call it the purple pound. So the spending power of disabled people and their families is a huge market share that when I'm working with organizations and they're customer based and then you know they're they're selling uh, goods and services, we try to say to them, don't ignore that market because that market will vote with their feet. If they're finding that your service or your goods are not ac um, accessible to them, they will vote with their feet and they will go somewhere else because they have lots and lots of choices. So the spending power is there. And I think business owners really need to wake up to the, the idea that if they don't make things accessible for people who have disabilities, then they're going to lose um, a lot of money. And Seema, I think that really connects to what you and I were just referring to, right? That the perception of disability can sometimes be so limited that it is, oh, people unemployed, people on social uh, social assistance, yeah. that it forgets that there is still a large chunk of the population of people with disabilities who are in the workforce and who are having success. So, so it's again, it's that it's that very narrow view of disability that can exist societally. Exactly. And I think people, like we said before, it's about society. They have their own sort of preconceived ideas about what a, a stereotypical disabled person's like. You know, like you said, being on social, low income, um, not having a job. But it, it's, 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 to be honest with you, it's, it's the, the opposite. A lot of people with disabilities are actually wanting to work. They want to work. They want to make a contribution to society. And once they've actually got that job, they're really, really loyal and really, really committed. In fact, probably more loyal and committed to somebody who doesn't have a disability at all because they've had to face quite a lot of adversity to actually get that uh, employment in the first place. Seema, yesterday on the show, the founder of Disability Without Poverty, Rabia Hadar, came on the show and talked about the prospect of entrepreneurship and where that may fit into the puzzle of the inclusive hiring and inclusive workplace landscape. What are your thoughts in regards to the opportunity that Entrepreneur presents? You know, you were honored in 2020 as part of uh, Shaw Trust's Power 100 list. So you are an entrepreneur yourself. What do you believe the, the power of entrepreneurship offers to the community more broadly? Well, I, I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people with disabilities are actually forced to go into entrepreneurship because they've not been able to secure a job working with another organization. And to be honest with you, it's probably, um, a, you know, a blessing in disguise for them because it gives you that auto autonomy. Now, I've not worked for an organization for 20 years now i've run a series of businesses and when i'm doing careers coaching and working with people as individuals that is something that we always explore because that is an area where some of the disability can have control over you know in terms of whether they're having a good day or a bad day how many hours they want to work you know how much time they want to put into it who they want to work with where they're working all those sort of things that come into into the mix so i think entrepreneurship is is a brilliant idea and i think we find a lot of people with with disabilities actually do turn to that what do you think could be done to foster that? Because I know that that conversation certainly started rambling up, I want to say in the last six or seven years. I, I, used to, I did a couple stories back when I was a bureau reporter for AMI in Ottawa about programs designed to be a little bit of a launching pad for entrepreneurs with disabilities. But what do you think could be done to foster that? I, I know that the entrepreneurial spirit is unique and it's not for everybody, but what do you think could be done to foster Foster that opportunity for individuals. I think. I think if if the, if governments um, could actually um, implement some sort of formal um, 
you know, some sort of formal training and maybe some sort of associational force, more some support for people who are wanting to be entrepreneurs, that would be really, really helpful. So say, for example, at the moment, I'm working quite closely with the Royal National Institute for the Blind, one of the leading charities for, vision, for sight loss. And we've come together and we deliver a 16-week programme uh, around employment and next steps. So we look at things like entrepreneurship, um, training, it could be education, or it could be just uh, being your own boss, as it were, but also being in employment. And I think if there was more concentration around support for people and a mechanism, for mechanism in place, that'd be really, really helpful. It would encourage people to explore entrepreneurship, but also have that infrastructure and sort of structure uh, for people to be able to utilise. Seema, you've been really generous with your time this morning. I've got one more question for you. You've already accomplished a lot with Blind Ambition. You're already impacting society more broadly. What about the future? Where do you want to go from here? Uh, well, for Blind Ambition, we would like to, you know, um, be, be have more of a global presence, basically. Maybe do some work with, with you guys in Canada as well. So we're open to, you know, to doing that. But we want to see... A, a global sort of presence with blind ambition and really, really inc increase the amount of pe people that we're working with um, in terms of employers and organisations, government departments and so forth. But also we have um, another branch to us, which is called Blind Ambition International, which looks after, you know, working abroad as well, but also looking after people in the community with a vision impairment and other disabilities. So we, we just want to make sure we actually growing as much as we can and spreading the word as much as we can and just basically increasing increasing people's knowledge around disability and how they can make and accept people with disabilities and you know treat them with dignity and respect this is what that's what we sort of aim for hey asima just on the way out here i really appreciate the time where should you want to you want to build this global presence let's see if a couple of our viewers and listeners can check you out where should they go Okay, so they can find me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn under Seema Flower Blind Ambition, but also our website is www.blindambition.co.uk. Right on. Hey, Seema, thank you for this. Thank you for all the hard work. Keep it up and let's uh, check in again down the road. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, it's our pleasure. That's Seema Flower, the founder of Blind Ambition in the UK. For more information, you can visit blindambition.co.uk. That's blindambition.co.uk. Coming up after the break, the Toronto Public Library has created a sensory room for children with sensory processing needs. Jessica Roy tells you all about it. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.